When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Talk 1071, everything entertainment, and we will give you one final opportunity to win tickets to 42nd Street at the Ordway as we will play Guess the Celebrity Voice. That is coming up, but uh, much other stuff happening until then. That's right. I quickly called my Seattle relatives this morning about the earthquake that hit Seattle because mm-hmm. last week when I was there, my mom and I were fascinated. With the cover, you know, everything that was going on in, in, in Redmond, California, in Cal- Ridgecrest. Yeah, Ridgecrest. first the big, you yes. know, and I had contacted the California cousins, Auntie Catherine. No one felt the first one, which was the pre shock. Everyone felt the second one. Right. Our little Violet cried and cried. The seven year old. Oh. I mean, those guys are right in Hollywood. Yes, they are. And they felt it. It shook, 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 shook. So my mom and I were like, kind of, we just got obsessed with. Watching CNN and then watching, you know, here's what you should have in an earthquake kit. And then my mom was going down memory lane with me because when we lived in Japan, we did earthquake drills in the right. school and we had um, earthquakes. And one time, like my bed shook from where it was to the door, Ooh, woke wow. me up from the, the walls were, to the door, from the windows to the door. And the one time that scared the hell out of my mom out of the whole, you know, four and a half years that we lived there. She said, I don't know if you remember it. She said, you kids were in the movie theater on base. It was a quarter and it sure. was because there was no American TV. We lived, we just went to the movie theater sure. all the time because they showed Bob Hope shows and old TV shows and old movies. And it was the only source of like audio visual entertainment quarter so my mom said it started shaking and you guys were at the theater and you all had to crawl crawl under the theater seat i think that would be the scariest thing in the world i don't even remember it i know but to feel the earth shaking well here's a little bit from gma just a little bit about what happened in the seattle because they do sit on a fault line yes like the whole west coast Early morning jolt. The U.S. Geological Survey reporting a 4.6 magnitude earthquake struck just before 6 Eastern in the town of Three Lakes, Washington. That is just outside Seattle. So far, there is no tsunami warning. Good news. And it appears this quake is not connected to those quakes that struck Southern California last week. But the West Coast region has been on high alert since those July 4th weekend tremors. And experts have been examining the fault lines that run through Seattle to see how far they extend and determine just how strong an earthquake they could produce. 
Experts say they are less active than the ones in California, but still could trigger a major quake. So officials taking this very seriously this morning. Oh, yeah. I- and my sister, you know, lives oh. on Puget Sound on, on a bluff. Right. So she said, oh, yeah, you know, we would be, there would be tsunami. This would be, like, we're right here. My mom was like, uh, she said the dogs woke up and were running all over the house barking. Mm-hmm. My she, friend Shannon said she slept through it. She did, yeah, yep. because it happened it early, really early in the morning. And, and little, I mean, I know earthquakes happen all the time, but I'm right. like, I got to call my mom and remind her, based on how her house is, she needs to run outside. And she needs to have an earthquake kit. Just in case. An earthquake drill. She doesn't. Oh, kit. An earthquake kit. She needs to have an earthquake. Okay, what's in an earthquake kit? You would have a flashlight. Okay, like the With extra batteries. Okay. You would have a jug of water. You would have cash. Yes. You know, something a lot of people don't have anymore. Right, but you would try. Assume all networks are down. All all networks are down. You would also. um, Your Morse code. No, you can you can still buy a little transistor radio. Okay, you know you you could a little battery, power. a little or battery, walkie talkies, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you wanted to, you could have a, a foil blanket. You know, one of those types of things. Sure. Um, but the flashlight and the water and the cash mm-hmm. are three of the key things. Cash is good. and your car keys, right? If you can drive. Anyway, just like couldn't even believe it that we'd been talking about it, and and then it happens then today. It, <laughs> I know. It. As we my laugh, brother slept through as it. You laugh. No, I know. My brother know. slept through it. My sister slept through it. Oh, the oh, the dogs didn't. Probably I, dogs woke everybody I think, up. Though of all the natural disasters, tsunami would really stink. If that Don't was you remember at you? when I was in Hawaii with my yes, mom I, and my aunt Claudia, and there was a tsunami warning? Yeah. And we were on the 14th floor of the embassy suites across from the Halikalani. That's right. And we evacuated. And we went to my aunt's friend. And got hurt in the evacuation. Probably my mom's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. No, I was panicked because, like, I don't know. I've watched too many of those disaster movies. That (laughs) movie with Naomi Watts, the first tsunami one. Based on the book. That one scared me. Mm-hmm. So bad. Yeah. I think I went to that alone. That was and about I, the Thailand one. The right? Thailand yeah. one, yeah. And I mean, that's just. I never like, even knew the word before then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And Hawaii has these, and supposedly, so does Southern California, you know, any place where there's, or Japan has them where you get like the warning that yes. triggers to the National Service. Yes, and it goes so on everyone's cell phones and everything. Yeah, yes. so we, we got a warning, and I'm just like, ah. I'm not. We're not. We're not staying on the 14th floor, Mm-mm. right next to one one hotel away from the water. Only the Holly Kalani is standing between us. That's shorter. <laughs> I know it is. That's just gonna you know <laughs> boom, and there we are. It's gonna hit our balcony. Right. My mom can't swim. <laughs> no, she can't. Well, that's oh, another not that, thing. Not that mom, swimming. She might need a life preserver. But not that swimming in a tsunami. And and she really could because she is not that far. She is only a couple she miles from the water. In her in her. But it doesn't matter in a tsunami, as we saw in that movie. You're just bobbing along. Yeah. And that was uh, terrible. Oh god, I don't know Good how movie. they filmed that. No, that was a really great movie. The one with Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. That was what so. What the hell good. was that called? Donnie, was it can the you look Im- it up? Impossible. No, it was based on a woman's book because yes, I yes, it was. I read that book when I was in um, uh, Puerto Aventuras yeah. by the water, and um, I just remember sitting there, you know, from my little palapa, reading that and just thinking about like. 
the horror of seeing like a huge oh. wave there yeah, yeah. and how you could never outrun it. Yeah. I was right. It's the impossible. It is the called impossible. the impossible. Yeah. Okay. It's a good movie if anyone can And it's it. a first person's, it's this woman's it account. She lost her, her sons yeah. and her husband. She was the only one You're who survived. Right. And it was about her, that book was just amazing. So the the book really became more about, it didn't get like when you read the whole book, you really got where she got to a place of Zen and acceptance and, you know, moving on with her life. Cause it was such an unimaginable loss for sure. Unimaginable. So horrific. And right. even for herself, just like the memories of what mm-hmm. happened. But in the movie, it was like just more about the tsunami. The, uh, the, the tsunami. Wasn't exactly. about, yeah. Yeah. But and, anyway, I like that book a lot. Oh, I like that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a horror story, story I can handle. Yes, a natural, natural disaster. Mm. I can do those. Yeah. Was yeah. there there had to have been a big earthquake movie in the 70s? Oh, it was called, it was called earthquake. earthquake. Oh, okay. there you <laughs> go. <laughs> oh no, those one moment. I know. Those <laughs> airplane earthquake. But yeah. there was the earthquake one, then we Towering had Towering Inferno. Towering yeah. Inferno with yeah. the burning one. The Poseidon Adventure. Poseidon Adventure. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were all the same guy. Irwin Allen was yeah. the guy behind all these he movies. He was, wasn't yeah. he? They yeah. were good though. Yeah, they And were. then Die Hard with the uh, kidnapping at the top floor. I mean, there's good. Yeah. Yeah. All were, right. Listen, um, those movies worked. Are you so nervous for Serena tomorrow? No, because I think she's going to kick butt. Okay. She plays against Halep. She's going to kick butt. We're I, going to London for our next story. It involves mm-hmm. two different stories that we can't get enough okay. of. Okay. We'll be Oh, we just thought we'd get people in the mood for the Basilica tonight. Semi-Sonic is one of the performers tonight. So. And it's tomorrow, all day two. Yes, and, and there's a great story uh, that Remus Schneider did with Dan Wilson, a Semi-Sonic, mm-hmm, in the paper today. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, He's I, so successful. I know. I ordered I f- him to be on our show. You did? I forgot that he wrote someone like with Adele, someone like you. Yeah. He Only is going to fall in love with us again tonight because he's he? going to remember us when he was in Trip Shakespeare. Yeah, I know. All those years all ago. Those at years the ago. Bar, yeah. I know. When I was semi-groupie, I think. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was a great band, too. <laughs> Loved them. So that's fun. That's going to anyway, be... There, he, he just said, you know, Sam Isonic, they were writing songs again and they're going to play some of their new songs and Riemann Schneider was like, uh, some of them are as good, if not better as than the, old the songs that we know. Oh, good. All right. He's really in a good groove so anywho thanks Danny, for playing that sure. so were you uh are you nervous for serena i told you i'm not okay. she's playing halop halop has beat her you know serena has just she didn't get any matches in because she was injured and down most of the year and so she is she's found her groove she's gonna kick butt tomorrow okay that's what you think totally all right well the pressure is on serena it's got to be suffocating history is waiting the world is watching and that includes the two duchesses everyone. oh the duchess i know are going to be there and i think beyonce might show up and be in serena's box probably i hope so i mean the lion king premieres sunday in in uh um london, london and both prince harry and William and Kate, no word on Megan yet. They're all confirmed to be going to the gentlemen's finals on Sunday. So that's they're having a big day. So mm-hmm. I think Megan Marco might only be going to Saturday because she's going out Sunday night and maybe she doesn't want to be gone all day and night. Yes. From little Archie. No. Yes. You know, he's so young. He is young. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, so... But Harry and, and William and, and uh, the, the Duchess of, of Cambridge will be there, but it, it's the two duchesses tomorrow watching right. Serena. And they can, because all this 
crap. You know, last year, you know, they were under the same house, the right. same Twitter account, the same instant. Now they're separate. Right. But that was done because of boy crap, prince crap. Yeah. Between the brothers and the duchesses took the brunt of it that it, they were having all the troubles. Right. So I hope they coordinate their outfits again like they did last year. Remember the wide-legged uh, pants that Megan had on and the big striped top. and then Blue and white thick stripes and the hat. And then the Duchess of Cambridge had a white dress on. Mm-hmm. And um, there will be no jeans because of the royal boxes happening. Absolutely not. You know. Well, okay, so... I just wondered if, because even the Serena, the greatest of all time, has suffered from nerves in the past. Of course she has, yeah. Lori. And she wants to win this one so bad. Well, she was at the finals of the U.S. Open last year when she, she lost last year. I know she did to Angelina, Osaka. No, Angelina Kerber. She lost last year in Wimbledon. What yep. Wimbledon? I'm talking about U.S. Open, US which Open was after was that. We please stick to London. Oh. Stick to Wimbledon. All stick right. to the tennis at hand. All We're right. not going down tennis history lane. <laughs> well, That's too much. I'm just covering that her last final. Grand slam that she won. It's yeah. been a year and a half since the Australian Right. Open. So you're very confident of, of her. I, I am 100%. Okay. She can, she's a champion. Yeah. Well, she is a champion and Halep is playing well, but I just see Serena. She gets better and better. Everyone knows what it means if she wins. She's the only one who feels it if she loses. So that's all I'm saying yeah. is the, that must be, I would be, she seemed anxious to me. Or not? A, she seemed a little like woo about uh, when she was went into her presser yesterday after she won. Like she couldn't wait for that to be over, so she can kind of mm. whatever tennis people do, go over with their coach. Go take drunk, their ice baths. Go take yeah. their ice baths, yeah. whatever. And she was asked about Megan. I know. Oh, yeah. What'd she say? She said something great. She said, you know, I didn't know there was negative media out there. Anytime I see her name attached to anything, I don't read it. She couldn't be a better friend to me. Low moments, high moments. She, high moments. She's always there. That's all I want to be to her. That's it. So I I love it. Serena and, and, and Megan have caused so many pearl-clutching moments. Those two, why? Eh, just because... Yeah, you know, you uh, know, who the hell knows? Well, here's what's going to happen. Okay, so um, a big, big match today. Two of them. Two big matches. No spoilers. No, 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 we know, but both very good. Very good. Yeah. And I will say this about the Federer Nadal match that happened today. You were not saying anything. No. That the 2008, which is the last time they played each other at Wimbledon, both the New York Times and the L.A. Times call that the greatest tennis match ever played. They do, I know. Do you do you remember? Was it because they went to like 17 sets or what was the... It was just bad. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Rain delay, I think, in the middle of it, and it was just battling. And it, I, I was hours yeah. in close sets. And if you think of how I played tennis last night after work mm-hmm. with my guy, and? I hit two balls, and I was hyper. I was, I couldn't catch my breath. For some reason, I think I was dehydrated last night. But it is so much work to run back and forth and back and forth and forward and back. And serve and serve and serve. I mean, these people are so fit. Yes. They are so fit. And they play these five-hour matches. Right, I don't right, know right. how they do it. Yeah. Mm-mm. How they do it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I got it on, we got it on the DVR at home. I watched I like, all day today. Yeah, I watched just a little bit of it because I was busy, you know. Getting your hair done. Not getting my hair done, Julia. You did too. You got well, a cut. I, I just, yes, puffy. You did pay. get your hair done. Yep, yeah, but you, I got it judged. Well, it's the That's same right. thing. You went into a salon to okay, have but I didn't have it washed. Done. I had to have it a little flat ironed, and then I needed some scissoring, what I call an all-over bang trim. <laughs> I drove 32 minutes for 18 minutes. Girl math. There's some kind of bridge work happening then on Crosstown. Don't go that way. Right? Yeah, I, I'm almost always now in this crazy town put in my destination in in my map yes. so I can just see the construction. But I thought, ah, I'm going to kind of go the slow, pokey, scenic way. Yeah. Well, boy, was it slow and pokey and not scenic because I was just breathing diesel fumes, hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the windows down honest. with a little AC on. Honest. See, that's how I like to drive. You know, just a little. It's like I like to have the air conditioner and, on, like and my windows on. Yeah, yeah. I've done the same. Yeah. I do the both because yeah. I like the humidity. Yeah, right now. Anyway, well, the Lion King, you know, that premieres in London on Sunday night. We've discussed this. That's is there right. Going to be something new. Yes, <laughs> the, something new is I. I hope that no one in the cast is reading. The any reviews. Of, any of the reviews. Very mixed the album reviews. has dropped. We're going to play some of those songs later in the show. No, we're going to hear an audio okay. of Elton John and Beyonce and Donald uh, Glover singing Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Which one did you want first? Let's play, let's play that one. Let's play that one. Because Beyonce one. and Donald Glover? Well, yeah. Can You Feel okay. the Love Tonight? We already heard yeah. this one. We liked it. Yeah. Okay. Here we go for those who didn't get to hear it. The best. Feel the love tonight. I just want to listen to all the songs. The world for once in perfect harmony with all its living things. So many things to tell her. And Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are on this. Yeah. Singing. Mm-hmm. Julie Eichner can't believe he's in a song with Beyonce. Either could I. I know it. So that's posted if you want to take a look yep. at. Yep. But the first review, the first reviews of the movie, which opens next week, July nineteenth, have begun to appear online, and they're strikingly divided between whether this is a stunning achievement or an unnecessary failure. Everyone's on board with the technical. Yeah. And the effectiveness of Eichner and Seth Rogen as comedic talents. Mm-hmm. But they're split on whether that's enough to recommend the redo or not. I heard it's, a little too much real life, these new real life things versus animation. Yeah. 
Danny, what'd you read? You, you read same thing. Same, same thing. same thing. It's just going a little bit overboard, and it, 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 it doesn't have the, the, the warmth. IndieWire the called it, it unfolds like the world's longest and least convincing deep fake. The new Lion King fatally misunderstands what once made Disney special. Yeah. Now, that's just IndieWire, yeah. but yeah. anyway. It's not going to hurt the box office. No, I'm sure it isn't. That's exactly right, Danny. All but right, the first one was amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it depends on how connected you are to that first one right all right listen but we know the music is fabulous. it's only 80s uh, we had to play a little steve miller he's playing tonight with joan jett down at the lakefront music fest in prior lake can't go wrong there Fun. Yeah. I heard it is fun. They get big bands. Bad, pa- bad Brad Paisley's tomorrow night. That's awesome because you know you don't want to always be driving far. Oh, we I love, love to it. be outside and listen yes. to our music, don't we? So it's anyway, great. we're just trying to throw in some songs. With the, there's a lot of good people in town. I just have one question for you, Julia. All right, because this is uh, trending on Twitter. Is it no spoilers? No. One in eight men say they could win a point oh. in a game of tennis. Against 23-time Grand Slam winner Serena Williams. They're complete idiots. Don't you remember that I talked about this earlier, that when the WNBA, who doesn't fly charter, goes through the airport, Mm -hmm. the women basketball players, all the men say, I could take you on one Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for some reason, all these men think they can beat these women. Uh No way. Uh No. No No way. way. I mean... No way. No. The woman can serve at, at 80, 100 miles an hour. Yeah, 112. <laughs> right. No, seriously. Yeah. But this this is, I thought, an interesting fact. Okay, so including this year's Wimbledon, there have been 65 Grand Slams in the last 16 years, and those are the four majors, Australian, French, U.S., and Wimbledon. 60 of those have featured at least Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, I can never pronounce his name. Djokovic. Djokovic, or Rafael Nadal in the final. Wow. By mm. Sunday, 54 of those will have been won by one of these three men. Jeez. They have dominated. They've dominated for a long and, time. And the they? difference between these three men and the rest of the men playing, it's it's big. Yeah. It's big. And these guys are all in their well into their 30s. Mm-hmm. And just how they can... They're so into their bodies. They know what they're doing, but they can tweak little things and they don't yeah. have to worry about the mental part so much. Right, right. Because they're used to being winners. Did it used to be that they'd retire more like around 30, yes, 31? Yes, Bjorn Borg way was, early. Was he oh, 29 yes. or something? Way before we yes. needed him to. He yeah. was so hot. Oh, I missed he him. Hot. He was hot, hot, hot with the headband oh, yeah. and the long blonde hair. and the. the I love tennis shorts. I, beyond. They're so cute. The white ones with this, and I wish that, these guys would put zippers back in their shorts. I don't like looking the at the up. Carter pull up. Oh. On these <laughs> yeah, guys. I know. Donnie used to have a pair. We shamed him yeah, out of them. I, I, um, I gave him up. Mm-hmm. I think Nadal wears zipper. No, he doesn't. No, no. They all wear the Carter. No, because I saw him scratching his balls. Today. He always does. He's always okay. Adjusting. So one of the things with Nadal is he has so many ticks. Uh-huh. Okay, every time before he serves, he wipes his face, face. puts his hair behind the ear on one side, yeah. same hand, hair behind the ear on the other side. Wipes, wipes his, his nose, sweat, and then wipes goes his, his other cheek. Maybe and he's got OCD with that. That's like a well, thing. Well, they were talking. I heard John McEnroe talking today about his ticks. I mean, but I know I'm not a 
you know, I play tennis maybe once or twice a week yeah. now. And I have to bounce the ball before I serve it. Well, everybody the does exact that. amount of time, though. Oh, times. no, that's very that's common. That's very yeah. common. Yeah. I remember doing that. One, tick, two, tick. three is yeah. oh, what no, I would I get bounce up to it. six. And oh, okay. if I'm really tired, I go to eight. Yeah. <laughs> Those games must take forever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it will be. Nadal, they're talking about installing a clock. Because Nadal takes, takes too much time, time yeah, and they can, you know. Anyway, it's just fun watching these guys because they're so good. Yeah, I have got to get to before we move on to this tomorrow little morning TV on ESPN. Gossip. People, what is it? The women's is tomorrow morning ESPN. The men's is Sunday morning, and we're talking eight a.m. Eight a.m. Yeah, yes. that's so, right. Because London time. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to give you a, a notable obituary Please. because I remember we talked about this couple, the king and the queen of the hobos. Yes. So Daryl Tuck Ray, king of the hobos, passed away on June twentieth, and uh, he he's got the westbound train, Julia, as they say in the hobo community. 58 years old. That's really young. He lived the hobo life for 25 years until he married um, uh, this woman that her nickname, her her hobo nickname is... Um, Handkerchief Sally? Minneapolis oh. Jewel. Oh, okay. Close. <laughs> Very close. Close. Yeah. He, and uh, when they got married, uh, she said, I can't be a hobo. I've got children to raise. Right. But they, became, they, named, they were named the first king and queen hobo couple in 2017 i remember we talked about it his wife said his cancer was caused by a combo of smoking inhaling smoke from the campfires he built on the road and breathing chemicals from the train boxcars he hopped really and tuck was the real deal his family moved around a lot when he was a kid so when he was 15 lit out on his own yeah and uh lived you know he lived by the hobo code of ethic he worked odd jobs and he took care of himself traveled with road dogs camped in jungles which are what hobos call their resting place okay jungle yeah and Mm -hmm. uh uh, minneapolis jules said about her husband cowboys rode horses and hobos ride the iron horse the train. Yeah, the train. And they met in 1994 at a hobo convention, but they didn't ever ride trains together because she had the kids. Yeah. So anyway, when they married in 2002, he gave it up and he had a regular job at a manufacturer mm-hmm. and he looked real grizzled and had a real rocky voice, but he's a crazy good husband and he oh. earned his moniker Tuck because he wouldn't tuck a shirt in. <laughs> mm-hmm. His wife said there was another name behind the name, but it wasn't appropriate to tell in public. So I'm, I'm thinking it's about hemorrhoids. Maybe. Oh, tuck pads, you mean? Yeah, yeah oh, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Anyway, they won several times, <laughs> king and queen, at the Hobo Convention. And the crown, by the way, if you're wondering what you get if yeah. you're named, the crown is made from a Folgers coffee can, <laughs> and Ray's remains will be buried in a coffee can uh, in August. Okay. And, and do they even have Folger coffee can? Because they're all plastic now. Yeah. Thank Saint you, John. It's a hobo song. Right? This is for you. This is for you. I didn't know this was a hobo no song. Well, no riding the rails. No riding the rails. Mm-hmm. Ain't got no cigarettes of two hours of pushing room. Little odd job, see? Eight but twelve four bedroom. A little bit more. Man. Means by no means. What am I? King of the See, That's a good one, Donnie, for Tuck. <laughs> and he, uh, they were so well-known in the hobo world, Julia. They recently received a mention in Smithsonian Magazine in a story about American 
and the hobo hobos and the life that still goes on. And they shared their story at nursing homes and schools, making sure to tell students just what are the dangers involved if you are a hobo. Oh, yeah. And um, anyway, he was called Head Pipe at the convention <laughs> because he was... <laughs> Greatly respected among the hobo community, and he kept everybody in line. I just, I loved the his whole story, yes. and I just remember we, reading about yep. Minneapolis Jewel and Tuck at one point. Okay, so moving on. Yes. Does this surprise you? Wendy Williams completely gutted Kevin Hunter's office after he got fired. They removed all traces. And what they photos. did is they made it into an office for the interns. Mm-hmm. I don't think people liked Kevin. No, you don't have to think that. We know that. We know that. But, I mean, Suzanne is back. Yeah. I'm not watching it, though. I quit. I am watching it. Okay, good. One of us. I'm watching it because I <laughs> learn about other shows that I might not know about. because But they're not my kind of shows. They're your kind of shows. Yeah. I, don't know. I still want to know what Wendy has to say. And I like some of her little snarky ways. Yeah. I guess we'll put it that way. Well, just know before she talks about anything about the Kardashians, she's called them first to get it verified. Well, we don't believe that. You don't have to take her at her word for that. She's just BSing. Uh, Learn to she, read between the she, Wendy lines. She brought the uh, Kool-Aid, Lori. Yeah. Got. Okay, and then uh, The View, uh, I don't know if you've been watching it, that, uh, watching it but uh, I, I believe this is Megan's source leaking to Us Weekly. Here's the quote. Producers look at Megan as their most relevant star. That's what? just because she's the youngest. Uh, I, don't I don't even think. know what that means. Well, well, she's got a contract that's being negotiated. Yeah. Okay. And she she leaked. Remember that? I mean, the Daily Beast story was that she feels caged like an animal, yeah. which was a bad po- choice of word considering what's going on in this country. So that might have backfired on her, you know. <laughs> It didn't read well. No. It didn't play well. I don't know if her agent was it. So now they're leaking this other story yeah. where she is being treated with kid gloves. She's very important yeah, because yeah. it's a political view. And I mean, good luck, Megan, working on your contract. Okay. Because remember, every th- the, in September. They had their best ratings ever last year. They Yes, they're, the they're back up yeah. at a good high because they've gone in a political direction. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... But, you know, the kind, the new season starts in September because yep. they'll be going off break. So she's, this is, it must be so much fun to leak stories like this when you're trying to negotiate a right. pay raise for a client. And knowing it's going to get paid. I mean, played. Yes. You know, it'll be printed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you, so what else did they say? Um, because she frequently ruffles feathers and gets more backlash, that ABC is just treating her because she's so special and important to them. Oh, so I think that negotiations maybe have hit an impasse. Well, I think going, Abby Hudson's coming back now because she had her twins earlier, and so she'll be back this fall. Yeah, but she was always coming back because she yeah. had like a two-year con- or whatever. She I had like a contract, her. but Megan's is, is yeah. up. She'll renegotiate. She'll be here. I don't know why she wouldn't want to do one more year, and but they might want her for two more years, but she might want to just do one more year. Maybe that's the sticking point. I don't know. But Joy Behar, I what her eyes? Did she? What I think she had eye surgery, Lori. But she had cataracts. I understand, but one, I think she had something else the, done. But maybe. But the one eye, it's kind of wonky. I just go. I liked how she looked in her glasses. Yeah, I, the know? sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> I love sunglasses. Lori, 
It we re- gotta go. It oh, reminds me of my Ramona eyeglasses. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're, you're right. We have to go because we are talking to Sarah Blake. We read her book, The Postmistress. Uh, she's back with a book called The Guest Book. It is a five-star book. It is incredible and amazing. We'll be right back. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us on this Friday. Okay, if you're looking for a great book to read, an epic novel, we're being joined by Sarah Blake, who uh, her third book, The Guest Book. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Sarah, we (laughs) talked to you in 2010 for The Postmistress, which we... I thought so. Yes. That's so cool. Yes, we love that book, but I mean, you have really outdone yourself with this (laughs) amazing epic novel about a family. You have to give Give us us the setup, because I'm giving you five stars out of five stars for this one. Oh, wow. I mean, it's one of the best books of the summer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's, that's so amazing to, to hear. I mean, this, this book, um, well, first of all, it took eight years. So, um, and in part because it's a big, you know, it's a three generation novel and it moves back and forth in time between the thirties, the fifties and the present, the same family. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really wanted to think about the ways in which we echo and repeat our parents and grandparents, you know, without knowing it, but I wanted the book to sort of show that the way in which we, we sort of repeat history, the history that we have inside us and um, and the way families just sort of pass on um, you know this they make a kind of mythology by passing on their histories half half told mm-hmm. and um, so I, I really I, I wanted to um, try and work back and forth in time but stay in place so it, it takes place both on the island of Manhattan and then this island off the coast of Maine that the family the Milton family buys in 1936 is there is, a real crocodile yes. island there is a real Crockett's Island. Okay. <laughs> yes, there is. It's much less um, grand, but um, that is perhaps the one kind of um, actually autobiographical thing in, in the book. The rest really is fiction, but my grandparents did um, go sailing one day and see a for sale sign and um, just tacked in and, and bought this place, which became very much the, the, the I mean, as family places can, right. it became the place that sort of, um, you know, sort of bound and defined us as, you know, as how, who we were. And also, for a fiction writer, it's just fantastic to have this place that you can return to with many generations. I mean, right. I grew up hearing the stories and the intonations and the voices and, and, you know, moving in and out of the same rooms that my parents had and my grandparents and that sense of being haunted, but but in the present. I, know, I get what you're saying. And I think, you know, a lot of readers, you know, like that anybody who has... A, a cabin, a cottage, a family home, whatever you call her, they, they, they go to a resort every year and they might take two weeks. Exactly. I mean, I, I almost stayed married to a man for a, ca- for a cabin on an island <laughs> up in northern Minnesota. Because it was so amazing, the it's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's but it's like in a way time stays still. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you know. So th- exactly, yeah. And then I think that's what that's what's so the thing that's so amazing is that 
um, you know, you're, it means every time you return to it, you're confronted by all of yourselves, like your childhood self, mm-hmm. your teenage self, your middle-aged self, you know, yourself as parent, yourself as daughter. I mean, if you get to have it that yes. long. But, I mean, just that sense of how a place can hold you and hold your stories more than any other, you know. And, and in some ways, you have to confront yourself even more acutely okay. you know, than you would um, elsewhere. And I think that's the repetition. I mean, um, of just as you say, even if it's going to a place that you've, you know you don't own it, you just it's a place that, that its memory is as profound as yours. It's, that, it's sensory. That's right. Okay, so give people the setup of the, the Miltons, Miltons and mm-hmm. the three generations because your book, you know, I, it, it's historical fiction with parts of it. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, and uh, you did that with the postmasters, postmasters, and you're such a vivid storyteller. I mean, you're so delicious in how you write, but I just give people kind of the setup so they understand wh- where we're going. Okay. So, so there's the three generations. The, the first generation is Kitty and Ogden Milton, um, in 1935 and 36. And, um, so the, the book sort of begins in 1935, um, where Kitty is, uh, where you see both of them in their day. And at the end of the day, something really, um, terrible happens. And that sort of stands as that, that's the sort of the nugget that's buried, um, right. at the, at the bottom of the book. And from there, um, and it's in Manhattan. And then from there you go to the third generation, um, Evie Milton, who's a um, feminist history scholar. She's a professor at NYU, um, married and living in a very different Manhattan um, 60 years later with her husband, who's an English professor, and her son. Her husband has just returned from Berlin with a very disturbing photograph um, that she has to kind of reckon with. And so the first 100 pages or so moves back and forth literally from, you know, from the present to the 30s mm-hmm. as the novel builds um, through. You see Kitty and Ogden um, go and buy this island in Maine. Um, you see, you start to see that Ogden, who's, um, who is invested in uh, German steel during the 30s, mm-hmm. uh, thereby actually doing business with the Nazis because he thinks that's the right way to prevent um, disaster. Um, you see the ways in which that catches up with them. And so that's, you know, you're moving back and forth, back and forth, and Evie is teaching um, history, and, and she has a whole theory about who to pay attention to. And it grows into the 50s, um, where you have the second generation. And in that generation, you have Moss, who's um, the the son um, who's destined to join his father's firm but doesn't want to. He's a jazz musician. And his friend, um, Len Levy, who's the first Jewish uh guy to come and work for the Milton um, family and then his best friend Reg Pauling who's an African American writer and and then and it moves then you start to add in it becomes like a like a, a round where you have the three time periods moving back and forth always overlapping like I, I couldn't do it simply no so right one on top of and each other just building Sarah I just want to remind people if they're just tuning in we're talking with author Sarah Blake the new book is the guest book I just want to make sure because people are like, what are we talking about yeah. here? What are yeah, we yeah, talking exactly. about here? Yeah, who are these? Well, you know what? I It was very interesting. And I guess it's just something that we forget about. And and, and that way, you know, your book is very, uh, was very striking. You know, you forget about, okay, the people who did do business with Nazi Germany traveling mm-hmm. to Germany as Hitler was ramping up and and the real looking away 
from exactly. what was going on and right. being able to, you know, so was that a lot of research for you on that aspect of the book and, and getting that so that, because that did happen. Absolutely. And actually, you know, that's the, just, you put it in a nutshell. In many ways, part of what I wanted to do in writing this book was look at, at all the ways in which a family like the Miltons, you know, white, northeastern, old moneyed, you know, one of the backbone of the countries, how the ways in which that family had looked away and mm-hmm. what looking away from all kinds, you know, from their, their own race, their own class, the racism, their own anti-Semitism, because I really wanted to think about how this country's history with racism and anti Semitism ha- passes on like a family history mm-hmm. in half truths and and not you know where um, the the past isn't it's remembered but it's not confronted. Yes. So I really wanted to build the novel in a way that it that we are watching all the ways in which we're repeating without confronting that's, you know looking so, away. Yeah. And and so that so yes and so I I, I deliberately chose. Um, you know, instances in the 30s, and then 59, um, those are two time periods before, you know, um, things were really clear, like what, in, in, you know, in Germany, as you say, Hitler was ramping up, but I yeah. said it before the Nuremberg Laws, right, I right. said it before Kristallnacht, mm-hmm. so that it was, you know, where there was still a sense of, you know, sort of, quote, unquote, deniability, you know, he could, and he could, he really did, Ogden believed that he was um, presented, preventing disaster. He was trying to avert, he wanted to keep Germany stable by investing in it. So, you know, it made a business sense, but it didn't, you know, that the, the, he had to have looked away in order to see what he was doing. Right. Sarah, are you, in order, in order to, it's, are you going to wait eight years for your, are you yeah. going to make us wait eight years? For, I know <laughs> you're enjoying the guest book and the success. I hope it gets optioned as a movie or a TV series, oh. but you're not going to wait, make us wait eight years, are you? I, I'm no. I'm determined okay. to try and uh, write the next one in two years, and it's a spy novel. So I, I, oh, I have. Wow. A, I know what I'm. I know what I'm trying for. So hopefully it will go. Well, the eight years like, paid off. Yeah, oh, we're key. Yeah. We just. Oh, I mean, you. we love the postmistress and really the guest book. It's just I'm expecting it to go. It's going to be. Um, Summer of 69, and then it can be the guest book, and then where the crawdads sing. That's how the New York Times oh, bestseller. Let, let's, let's have that look like that at the end of July. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So great. Great thank to you. talk to you, Sarah. We really appreciate it. Again, the book is called The Guest Book. Five stars. We've got a couple copies to give away 651 641 1071. All right, we'll be right back.